Good afternoon. I hope everyone is having a nice day today. I'm Lily Rodriguez, and I'm a student here at the University of Illinois, and you're listening to Lily Sports Talk. For today's podcast, I'm here to talk about women in the male-dominated sports industry. I'm also starring a couple guests who will be myself, such as Dahlia McKenzie, a guard for the women's basketball team at the University of Illinois, and Anaya Jones, a sports anchor for Atlanta Sports Night. With that being said, let's get started. Ooh, yeah, ooh. women in the sports industry have encountered multiple issues like being negatively criticized in the media about their performance as a sportscaster. For example, Taylor Rooks, who is an alumna at the University of Illinois, graduated in 2014 and received her bachelor's degree in broadcast journalism, now works as a reporter for Bleach Report, a Southern sports reporter for Thursday Night Football, and covers the NBA on TNT Tuesday. With all her hard work, she has also encountered the negative aspects of the media, such as hate comments and harassment on social media platforms like Twitter and Instagram. But she deals with these situations in a professional manner by not giving these people any more attention. In an interview with Rook's longtime best friend since high school, Rook's has said that if a woman messes up once when reporting, they're done. And in another interview with Showtime Basketball, she goes on to say how she tends to tune out the nicer comments more than the mean comments. And for whatever reason, reporters and athletes tend to turn up the meaner comments louder. So she's been trying to program herself to say she needs to give the nicer comments the most volume to. And this has helped her as a journalist. But Taylor Rooks, along with many other women sportscasters, has faced hardship multiple times before. Alana sportscaster Anaya Jones being one of them. When we come back from break, I'll be talking with Anaya about her experiences with Alana Sports Night and how she has overcome, if any, troubles as a sportscaster for the College of Media at the University of Illinois. I also showed her an interview on Taylor Rooks with the young journalist Jazzy's World TV, and we talked about what the interview meant to Anaya. I know you're Atlanta Sports Night anchor. What are some ways you cope with negative comments if you get any? I feel like as a as a female, as an anchor, I have more challenges internally with other co-hosts or maybe comfortability or how I feel just being the only girl. Um, I've got an overflow of positive comments, especially just because I think that's like the epitome of the like a dodge representation matters. So I, I just kind of hope that I kind of set that tone um, for other women who kind of want to be in that position. Was there ever a time when you felt like your opinion on on a certain situation was invalidated by a co-anchor or anyone? That's a really good question. I never felt like my, I wouldn't say I felt like my opinions were, were invalidated. I will say that I did feel like, you know, especially been in an environment where, you know, you're growing, sometimes people don't think you're knowledgeable. I think there was a lot of underestimating me. I think underestimation is probably the better word um, in terms of just like, oh, like, are you able to speak on this topic? Like, yeah. of course, I'm a sports anchor. So if I came and I knew these were the topics on the show, yeah, I was going to be prepared. Like a lot of women feel that same way, like current sports anchors. Um, they feel the same way. They feel as if women now on camera and men see them on camera, they, they immediately think like, oh, what is she doing there? She doesn't know anything about sports. Why is she here? Fire her, you know? Like, oh, I respect her, but I don't respect like what she's saying, all those things. So I feel like, yeah, that, that definitely comes into a big role in mm-hmm. the industry. And I also have a video here for you. Okay. So have you ever heard of the More Than Mean mm-hmm. campaign? No. Mm-mm. So it was basically a campaign that got started because of 
what was going on in the industry with sports. So I'm just going to show you this and I'm just going to ask you what your thoughts are on after. And, and when the comments that come in are as hateful and spiteful like that, it I, it just makes me wonder who thinks it's okay to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was instantly transported to some of our colleagues who had to fight essentially for the right to be in locker rooms uh, after games and, and to see. That's not, uh, that feels and, like nothing exactly. now in comparison I mean, it feels to like, this. It feels like prehistoric yeah, times. Yeah, and so. I mean, Sarah knows this. You, you read these comments, and a lot of them seem almost harmless in a you look nice today and you but time and time again when that's the comment you have to wonder are we saying that the message about women in sports should be about appearance mm -hmm. and how they look and not about the work that they're doing after hearing what she had to say about the harassment and issues she faced what do you think about the situation as well i think this is when you have a current issue for me i'm the type of person to always look at the why like the etymology the root of why this is happening this is just very historical with the women in media like if you read certain books um julie DiCario, who has a book which is absolutely amazing but she basically explores women being in the locker room initially and it was less than 50 years ago um, and women couldn't get in the locker room they felt like they were incredible etc so I do think although we have these issues I think we've made a lot of progress we're getting better so I do want to acknowledge that personally for me I think a lot of I'm not on a large scale right so the whole world isn't going to be seeing everything the ISN does or like listening to my podcast so I don't necessarily like get a lot of harassment I will say two instances like one time I had a podcast where I compared the NFL combine to slavery and it was basically uh, Colin Kaepernick's take on his experience and I did a review on it and it was probably the most time my podcast had random people in my comments like maybe 40 comments and everybody's like you don't understand what you're talking about you're a girl woo, woo, woo. and it was so interesting because it's not what I said I said Colin Kaepernick said it mm -hmm. and I just gave my opinion on it but I think sometimes when people hear something controversial or it's also coming from a woman we're just instantly gonna you know think of what we heard rather than analyzing the situation and for me not being on a larger scale I think especially as a black woman a lot of my encounters come with my appearance and my hair so not necessarily oh my god like you look great today but there's this thing with people who are not within a part of minority cultures where they feel like if there's a way that they don't know how to communicate with you or acknowledge you they have to bring up your hair mm -hmm. or something that they feel like is gonna make you feel validated or something but it's an unnecessary comment mm -hmm. right and so I've had a lot of in instances where it's like oh can I touch your hair can mm -hmm. you explain what that is or there was even an instance on ISN where one of the anchors was like your hair reminds me of a girl on the basketball team she has locks I didn't have locks, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it just kind of shows that I think from my experience, I really encourage people, if you're going to work alongside women, make sure that you kind of understand different cultures, that you know things because you may be feeling like, oh, I'm going out of my way to compliment mm -hmm. this person. And it may be a microaggression just because you're not aware enough of what you're saying can be offensive. So I feel like as an African-American person and the things that differentiate me culturally from other white people, et cetera, it's like, oh, oh my God, let me acknowledge it. And sometimes those comments or, or whatever remarks are necessarily needed. Right, exactly. There's like so many reporters now that face these issues, these same issues that you're facing. Yeah. Like for instance, Taylor Rook. Well, from what I've seen and heard of, she doesn't necessarily get too much into detail of what she faces. Yeah. But she still acknowledges them, her appearance-wise. The she gets on her like appearance or or um, comments. Yeah. And what she does, like, oh, you know, she's wrong, her opinion's wrong. Who ended up winning this game? Or just focusing on her body and only her body image instead of what she has to say. Yeah. So I also have a video of Taylor Brooks and the challenges that she faces with mm -hmm. a young reporter. Her name is Jazzy's World. Do you know her? her? You know yeah. her? Okay. <laughs> so she asked her, like, what's the challenge that she faced? 
I would say when you're starting out, you just hear no a lot. Like I would just hear the word no a lot because people don't, people don't believe that you can do it until they see that you do it, but you don't get in the position to do it until somebody gives you that opportunity to do it. Right. So a lot of it is you just creating these opportunities for yourself, grinding, hustling, like you're doing, figuring out how to do those interviews. So the biggest obstacle was really people saying no. And I tell this story all the time, but when I was 19 years old, I drove from University of Illinois to Orlando for NBA All-Star Week. And it was my first time that I was like ever doing media. And I heard a lot of no's, a lot of people not wanting to do the interview, but there was two people that did. One was Kevin Durant and one was LeBron. And KD was the first person that told me yes, stopped, went out of his way and did an interview. And that's when I was 19. And I just remember that very first big yes and what it meant to my career, and what it meant to my confidence. So the obstacles really, it's like, now I can say I have heard yes more than I have heard no. But when you're starting out, you hear no so much and you just have to keep on moving forward until you get, you know, those kind of positive affirmations that show you that you can do it. Wow. Have oh, you yes. had any no's? Yes, I get no all the time. Like I get no right now um, so much. I don't know, I feel like that was perfect time for me to hear that, honestly, mm -hmm. because I can agree and relate to that so, so much. I feel like a lot of people in the industry are like, no, you know, because you may not be plugged with them or may not be plugged within the company, but like Taylor said, how am I supposed to show you that I can do something if you won't give me the chance to do it? Exactly. So that can be really frustrating. I relate to that a lot. I get a lot of no's now because I'll come up with like limited podcast ideas and pitch them or whatever and people are like yeah this doesn't align with our company or I think you just have to get to the point where you don't let no discourage you and kind of get in the mindset where like you can be frustrated but also remember that encouragement to just like keep going keep going keep going a yes is going to always eventually come and whatever's meant for you and whatever's supposed to be in your timing I think it's supposed to happen but yeah she was spot on with yeah. that. Yeah since you've heard so many no's within your lifetime mm -hmm. um how have you moved on like moved forward even when hearing no like how did you keep going yeah um I think it just evolves I think mm -hmm. when you're younger like maybe I would say in 2022 um I kind of had like a tough time with, with no's like I got like a major no from this company I pitched this idea they were like yeah and I'm like what just because in my mind I felt like it was such a brilliant idea and I'm yeah. like how could you say no to this right mm -hmm. um and I was a little down but you continue to hear no and eventually you don't allow it to take over your mental capacity or your emotional capacity um like I literally just got a no last week like an email yeah. this week um from this opportunity and it was just like I just read the email you know I responded I said thank you I appreciate it and you just keep moving on you know I think it's a thing of like if you can't change it don't dwell on it you don't want to get to the point where like, you internalize the nose so much where Ava DuVernay has this like quote where you have this coat of desperation so when you're going to everybody and you're pleading for opportunity people can see that desperation on you mm -hmm. and I never want to get to that point where like, there's just a lack of positivity yeah. or a lack of you know confidence, confidence in myself right um, and so if they said no that's okay and like Taylor said figure out how to create your own opportunity so for me it was the podcast that's how I've talked to people I've actually interviewed Taylor probably would have never like had the opportunity to do that if I mm -hmm. didn't have the podcast or things like that so just continue to think of innovative ways to be like okay they didn't give me an opportunity or they didn't sponsor my idea could I do the idea on my own mm -hmm. like you know things like that do I really need a big company backing me or can I just figure out peers around me who are really creative and could do the same thing so just continuing I think to just push through and how you internalize 
internalize no continues to evolve the more you get it the more you just kind of you know mature and you're like hey i'm not gonna let this defeat me with this mindset how did you input this into your work now Mm, really just to keep going like honestly just allowing it to be fuel for me i think really when you get those no's you have to be like okay Why am I doing this? To get acceptance from other people? Or am I doing this because I want to create to thrive? And so that's what I do. I'm creating ideas. I'm continuing to do work just because I want to thrive, right? And I think whatever is supposed to happen and supposed to fall in place is going to fall in place. But it just fuels me. It's just motivation to keep going, basically. Now that you're a senior, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. What are your plans as a... Post-grad? Yeah, post-grad. So this summer, I'm interning at NFL Films as a creative producer. And then in August, I'm starting my Master's of Journalism program at Northwestern so that's kind of my from June to next year June my like one year plan of an internship and then grad school and then I really just want to like start my podcast back up in grad school and really kind of tell the stories that I want to tell now yeah um but yeah that's that's my plan wait so how did you get from being at the University of Illinois Mm -hmm. like doing these podcasts and Illini Sports Night to the NFL films production like how did that jump happen a lot of no's um a lot of networking baby steps honestly I would say like baby steps and building a foundation like when I got here freshman year I didn't know what I wanted my major to be I didn't have a marketing major so when I started my podcast that helped me figure out how do I market it to people and get people to look at it so it's like little small things that you go through that eventually contribute I don't want to do marketing now but I know that I'll know how to promote my podcast when I move forward even just small internships my first internship here was with sports department here and I was a street team marketer so when people would come in the basketball game I would just pass out posters and flyers and then eventually I had an internship at Paragon Marketing Group. Then after that it was Nike and now after that it's NFL Film. Just seeing the progress like starting at a school level I'm like yeah I don't want to do this and then they got me to Paragon and then they got me to Nike so really just foundational baby steps um, continuing to work hard Yeah, it's, a, it's really a journey. It's a journey, but everything plays a part into something, and, like, whatever you go through is going to help you like, prepare you for whatever's next. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Adalia McKenzie has some thoughts about women in the male-dominated sports industry and provided her insight of ways women can defeat issues within them. With Adalia being an Illini women's basketball player, she has had experience with the media. While working in the media, she explains how she has experienced a difference between being interviewed by a man and a woman sports journalist. During our discussion, I also showed Adalia an interview of Jessica Mendoza, a former Stanford University softball player and four-time first-team All-American and two-time Olympic medalist, who, according to the ESPN press room, was the first woman to become an MLB broadcaster on ESPN but received hateful comments on an MLB playoff game. So, Adalia, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So, have you ever been interviewed by a women's sports journalist? I have. Before a game, I've been interviewed by a couple of women broadcasters who was going to, like, broadcast our games. Mm-hmm. Did you feel a difference between and that's a journalist and a woman? Yeah, I would say the difference is kind of like the connection in a sense. The women that that has interviewed me are more kind of like outgoing mm-hmm. and will laugh and you know just things like that I feel like what male is not more serious but it does feel more like a business it's like a business way but with women like will laugh and will joke I guess it just comes with connection and the viewpoint of like mm-hmm. the male and women like how they see it do you feel more comfortable with a woman journalist yeah I mean in my like case I do enjoy the interview more when it's done by a woman so, do you think women's sports broadcasters are belittled or underrepresented? I feel like at times it can be seen as that, but I do feel like it's on a rise, like getting better. Recently was the NCAA tournament with women's basketball. Mm-hmm. A lot of women broadcasters were in the studios and doing it, or a lot of 
they were interviewing players right after the game. So mm-hmm. I think that's something that's good so far as growth. But overall, I do think women, all jobs are belittled. That's just how things in society has been. With women broadcasters, I do think it could be better. How do you think more women in the industry can get to that point where they're equivalent to a man who's a journalist? I think it comes with opportunity. I think women broadcasting women's sports is really huge, but also women can broadcast male sports too. So Mm -hmm. if the opportunity was given to a woman to broadcast a baseball game, I think that would be a huge one. I don't think many opportunities are given for them to do that. I know in football, though, there's been women broadcasters, and even in men's basketball, there's been broadcasters who are female. But I think it comes with opportunity and, like, women looking for those opportunities. Yeah. In the football games, do you notice how the women broadcasters are mostly on the sidelines and not commenting on like a play-by-play analyst? Like Tony Romo, what do you think about that situation? <clears throat> yeah, I just feel like male sports like dominated with male broadcasters. And for that instance, you said how like they're on the side. So women are given like a small opportunity mm-hmm. and like have to work their way up. I do think women should be like on the main front and not just on the sides. It kind of sucks that it is that way, but I feel like over time it has to continue to change with like women just fighting for like yeah, getting those jobs. Position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think women sports athletes and broadcasters face the same issues? Yeah, I feel like there's like a general similarity where like women used to being like held back mm-hmm. or not treated with equality and stuff like that. I do think it's kind of different within like the different areas like yeah. where broadcasting is sports, you know, but like Overall, I feel like women have to fight harder to get that acceptance and the views and, like, the fans or even, like, the opportunities and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I kind of, like, go back to, like, relating with the broadcasters. I love talking to women broadcasters. It's good to see, like, like, interviewing me, you know? It's something different. Mm -hmm. So Jessica Mendoza was a former softball player at Stanford, Mm -hmm. and she got hired by ESPN to become an ESPN analyst, a play-by-play commentator. But she received a lot of hate because I feel like the audience didn't see her as someone who understood the sport, even though she plays soft. Anytime there's change, there's going to be resistance. There's never going to be people who are like, sweet, female, she's never done it. Right on. That's not going to happen. Um, it's hard. I-, I never realized how hurtful people could be. I think that's probably been the hardest thing is people come at me and they're just like, they like hate me so much for being a female in a men's sport and I'm just like really like it's 2016 people like women can do anything I understand the responsibility that I'm carrying and so every day I'm thinking I can be studying more I can be doing more to prepare because I need to make sure this door to women in a men's sport stays open and it's not just me doing this but there's lots of opportunities for more girls and women to do it even after me I'm different, like, I, I recognize that, and I need to make sure that I am as prepared, that I understand, that I've done everything I can, knowing that people are gonna wanna say she doesn't belong. I wanna prove to them I do. It was very inspirational, you know, like, <laughs> women doing <laughs> things that are, like, uncommon is just, like, good to see because it gives motivation to, like, go after things that aren't really part of the norm. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's just, like, a good example to see that, like, women are, mistreated in the sense when it comes to these male sports because they're dominated by males you know like yeah if you go back into history and like 
women had to fight to like be able to work or be able to play sports so I feel like males have always kind of dominated certain things and now when like a woman is stepping into it now it's kind of like a whoa you don't belong but really she does and it's just inspiring to see yeah because she's a softball player so she knows what she's doing and she knows what she's talking about you know so why do you think men's sportscasters don't get as much hate on their appearance and sports knowledge than women that's just something that's just been a part of the norm for so long mm -hmm. And it's expected to have a male broadcaster over a female broadcaster. So I just feel like what's normal in society is not really going to be talked down upon, yeah. in a sense. But women being broadcasters and stepping into male sports, that's different. You know, that's not really a part of the norm. So I feel like male, that got it easy simply because, like, they've kind of had it their way for so yeah. long. So how can social media change their perspective on women broadcasters now? Yeah, I would just honestly say, like, be more open-minded mm -hmm. and knowing like we live in an era of change like some stuff is always changing there's always something new and just be open-minded and be willing to accept the fact that women can be broadcasters mm -hmm. as well like i mean who couldn't have said it better than Nadalia and anaya they both addressed some mindful viewpoints of women sports casters while tackling the issues of ways women face hardship whether they're playing in the game or commentating on the game the backlash women in the sports industry goes unnoticed and according to sapia a website providing statistics and demographics on sports reporters in the u.s says that there are 79.1 percent male sports casters and 20.9 percent female sports casters the pay gap for sports reporters is also revealed as women earn 98 cents for every dollar earned by men espn has also said that sports media Media remains overwhelmingly white and male. Studies show that there are 66.8% of white sports reporters while minorities are taking 33.2%. This is a big difference that needs to be changed and since I'm aspiring to be a silent sports reporter in the future, hopefully I can create this change and alter the statistic one way or another. Well, that's all for today from Lily Sports Talk. As we're closing out, I would like to give special thanks to Dali and Anaya for going out of their way to come meet and talk with me about issues in the sports world. And I just want to thank you all for listening. I hope we learned something from this podcast, and hopefully in the near future, we can create change with this information. Until next time, bye, Lily out. <laughs>